you know, Brittany leads us in worship, you know, each and every week. And um, just the opportunity that she uh, would just share her heart and her love for Jesus and her love uh, for us. I just want us to take a moment just to tell her how much we appreciate her. Let's just show her our appreciation. We, we love you, girl. Okay? You say you're amazing. Love you, love you, love you, Kate. making her cry more. I know. She, she was mad at me. I love her. But, I, you know, you, you don't want to miss a moment, right? And, you know, our worship team comes up and they lead us in worship. And, you know, we get to worship with them, but we don't get to do what you just did and say, thank you. We see your heart. We appreciate that. Um, I am lead pastor Scott Harris. And I'm Pat Lassard. Get to be the executive pastor here. And uh, I don't know if I need to apologize or what, but, you know, last week I kind of you know, complain to God about the weather because summer was coming and been raining for six months. And wow, right? Wow, I'm not sure what to say. Well, you know, I'm like you had fans on last night because, you know, it got over 70 and my body didn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, so welcome to summer, right? Uh, praise God. Hey, we are continuing a series that we started last week. Um, and in these uncertain times financially, we are looking to the certainty of God. And what God wants for us is for us to be financially free. So we've called our series Financial Freedom. And I'm going to believe this, okay? I think one of you walked away from last week, and that message just uh, got you. Because um, I was driving into town Monday, uh, coming to work, and i got to show you what I saw. I had to get my phone out and take a picture. Can you read that? It says, this is on 41st, it says, manifesting financial freedom. I'm just going to believe that's one of you that just loved the message last week, right? I'm going with it. Right? Zealous. Zealous. <laughs> so, yeah, so whoever wants to take credit for it. But uh, Sandy and I couldn't believe it. I said, did you see that car? I said, yes. So that's what we're doing in the name of Jesus, by the authority of God. We are manifesting financial freedom. And so uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get a Bible to you. And turn to 1 Timothy is where we'll be at first. And uh, let me pray for the message. You can have your eyes open if you need a Bible. That's okay. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. You're good. And we just trust you with everything. We trust you with our finances. Uh, and so God, show us, grow us, lead us to the places you want us to be. Lead us to freedom. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a review of what we talked about last week. We looked at the big picture, uh, the big picture of finances. And we started with this, that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And understanding that, acknowledging that, living out that truth leads us to freedom. Then we looked at what our role is in that. And it's stewardship. Stewardship is our command. It is managing, taking care of what God entrusts to us. And then lastly, we talked about how do we know if we're doing good with that? How, how do we know if that's, you know, how we're successful? He's given us this litmus test, if you would, an indicator, and that's giving, our giving. That's why we place giving uh, in the worship service, because is a, and it's an act of worship. It shows us, right, how tuned in our heart is to God, how much we trust him. 
So remember this, that it's not about the money. So as you listen to this series, I hope you hear us loud and clear. We're going to be using the word money, finances, all over the place. But it's never about the money. Uh, it's always been about the heart. And our key verse is Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, where your treasures are, where your finances are, there also will be your heart. And that's why we're doing this series. Uh, we want to do a heart checkup. Where's our heart? When the world's quaking financially, are we secure in God's teachings? Are we confident? So this week, we're going to talk about snares and how to avoid snares. And uh, I'm going to ask Pat to start us off here. We're going to first look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. So if you want to turn there, it's going to be on the screen here as well. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, so we're going to start here, and then we're going to look to Jesus' words uh, through Luke 11. But stay here, okay? So I want to talk about this word rich a bit before we set into this. So those who desire to be rich. Rich, if I ask you to raise your hand, who of you are rich? You might get a couple <laughs> brave souls, right? In the but Lord, right? It's, it's such a subjective term. It's very subjective, Okay, so I have a little comparison here, a little uh, graph for you to compare, okay? So there's a lot of financial authorities that say $357,000, if you've made it to that point annually, making that kind of income, you are considered wealthy. That's 1% of the world. So 99% of the world would say you're rich. But if you're there, depending on your situation, depending on your environment, say you live in New York, New York, you might just be making it. You might be just getting by. And then you look up the ladder to billionaires and you'd say, I'm probably not that. I'm not as much, right? But if you go down the ladder to 129,000, that's 10% of the world. 90% of the world would say you are probably rich, right? But then if you make 129 and you look up, you'd say, that person's rich, I'm not. And then you look down and there's a bunch of studies that say if you made 75,000 to 95,000, so we just put 85,000, that's when you're the happiest, okay? That's, that's when you're most satisfied financially. Below that, there's some stresses. Above that, there's some stresses. And so from there, you could look down and say, that's not enough. Looking above, you could say, more would do better. I'm not really rich, okay? But if you made the median income of Everett, many wouldn't say, I'm rich. $34,000 a year, right? You'd just be getting by here. You'd be struggling here, right? In a lot of different ways. But it's three times the amount of the United States poverty line. So if you're at, depending on where you are, the United States poverty line, and you have the opportunity to make three times as much, someone might consider being rich. 
And then you compare that to 47% of the world earning $2,000 a year or less. If you had the opportunity to make six times that amount, depending on your surrounding, you might be considered rich. You tracking with us? It's very subjective depending on where you are in, let's say it's a ladder, if you're looking up or if you're looking down. Rich. So he goes in, let's go back to that passage, 1 Timothy 6. He says, those who desire to be rich. That's what he says in that first section. Fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving. We're going to identify some snares here, starting with those who desire to be rich, and it's through this craving. This desire and this craving point to what we call lust. Lust is a snare. It's not always sexual in nature. It's a matter of wanting, 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 always wanting more, never being satisfied with what you got. Wanting, wanting, wanting. So the first snare is lust, desires, cravings. The second snare, when you go to that second sentence, it says, for the love of money, for the love of money, that is idolatry. That is loving something that's a created thing and having it, it's supposed to be a second place thing. But when you make it a first place thing, it's out of its appropriate place. It is too important. When we worship created things, now none of us would say, oh, I worship money. I I bow down to money. But it's how we live. When we make a second place thing a first place thing. It is a love of money, and that's called idolatry. It has a wrong place in our heart, our mind, our lives. It's too important. That's a snare. And then I want to draw some kind of application from the end of that sentence there. So it's through this, the last sentence that is, it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Who of you, however, found yourself in some pain because of finances. How many of you have ever struggled maybe in your faith in finances? So this does apply to us. And now there's a couple applications from this, pierced with many pains, okay? Um, I would say discontentment is a real snare. And then debt is a real snare. Discontentment. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want more. Now, it's closely associated to lust, but to be discontent is I'm not good enough with what I got. If I just had, if I just had, right? And we have our lists, if I just had. And then you have debt, right? Owing someone, being a slave to someone. They really own your vehicle. They really own your right? Whatever it is you bought with a credit card, they really own those things and you are a slave to them. You are an indebtor to them. So, so it starts with this path of financial freedom. It starts getting on the path by acknowledging the snares that are before us. Lust, idolatry, discontentment, and debt. 
Those are snares we need to acknowledge, okay? Those are really important for us to be, to identify. Now, what's a snare? I'm from North Idaho, so I'm a little more familiar with it, but some of you might not be. Here's a snare, okay? It's a trap. It's, it's designed, this is for a small animal, so this would be a small snare, but uh, it's designed to entangle. It's designed to capture. It's designed to get tighter and be more restricting and suffocating. A snare is designed to cause loss and destruction. So as we think about these snares, financial snares of lust, financial snares of idolatry, financial snares of discontentment, financial snares of debt, they are intended to bring about destruction. They are intended to bring about suffocation, right? And to get on this path of financial freedom, we need to be aware of and be able to acknowledge and identify these snares. You got some, got some thoughts about? Yeah, I'm just uh, listening. Um, and can't you just see uh, the picture of the Garden of Eden? You talk about a perfect picture of what you just spoke of. Uh, it is an absolute snare. It's a, uh, simply put that uh, there is this lie that there's something better. Yeah. And that drags us away from God. Right? And I, if you want to sum up, in fact, we could just close everything and say, read Genesis chapter 2 you're, and chapter 3. You're going to get it. Right? Um, so I just, uh, yeah. Satan's lies. Right? Yep. 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 It's the same trick then. Right? Just takes different shape. Still, still the same lies. All right, so that's, that's getting us on the path here. Now we're going to look to Jesus' words in Luke 12. Okay, so if you turn with us there, that's where we're going to live for the rest of the message here into the parable, of the, um, the parable of the rich fool is what it is. Luke 12, verse 13 on. Okay, so looking at this story, um, it, really, it really hit me. It kind of messed with me a bit. I really had to chew on it of what you and Damien said last week talking about Jesus talked more about money than he did about faith and prayer. Struggle with that. And I love how you guys prefaced it in saying uh, it's not because he values money, it's because he values your heart. And he knows the propensities of our heart that we can get really caught up really hung up, really out of place. So that's why Jesus talked about it as much. And so here's a story Jesus talked about, okay? Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, this crowd, this group, he says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a story, a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, 
this very night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not, what does that say? Loud and proud. What does it say? Rich towards God. That's key. That's key. We're going to come back to that. So I want you to notice several things from this story, okay? Jesus says to the crowd, be on guard against this invisible thing. This invisible thing. We just came out of Ephesians and we finished really slow through the spiritual warfare battle part of it, right? The armor of God piece of it. Jesus says, be on guard, you, 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 everyone, against this invisible thing, this spiritual force that's at play that will have its way with you if you do not avoid it. Be on guard against this. It will have its way. He goes on and he says, life itself does not consist in the abundance of stuff or having enough money. How you define life is really important. Life does not consist in dot, dot, dot. Whatever you might make it out to be. The author of life is saying life does not consist in this. It consists in something else. Notice the rich man was confused about what he was concerned about. He was actually concerned about something he didn't need to be, and he wasn't concerned about something he needed to be. And notice, he had to answer to God about his life and about his choices, even his thoughts. Notice the story. He says, what am I going to do about this problem? I'm going to take this down. I'm going to build bigger ones. And he says to himself, it doesn't even say he built them. It says that night he died. He didn't even get to that. He had to answer to God for his thoughts. It wasn't because, I don't think, it doesn't say, I don't think, he had to answer to God because he wanted a bigger barn. It wasn't about bigger barns. It wasn't about eating, drinking, being merry. God's like, done, you're having too much fun down there. You're out. That's not it. It was his time. He didn't know his time. He had to answer to God at the end of his time. Notice also, he's focused, he's narrow-sighted, he's, he's narrow-minded, and he's short-sighted. He's thinking here and now, and he's thinking me and mine. But God determined something far more crucial when he said, being rich towards God, God, being rich towards God is crucial to Jesus. So good with God on God's terms and ordering priorities according to God. Be on guard, here's the big takeaway from this section, be on guard because life is not found in stuff. Life is not found in stuff. Life is found in being rich towards God. Rich towards God. Now, I want to give you this warning here as well because you could take this message wrong. 
you could go, well, if I just was, you know, detached from materialism or maybe I was a minimalist and I was really good, a financial planner, and then I would be good. That's not the point because you could be amazing at all those things, have amazing self-control in all those areas, void of Jesus, still end in hell. So Jesus is the key. And being good with God is key. And according to Jesus, being rich towards God is essential. Is essential. Now, what does it mean to be rich towards God? I think there's some really important things that it means. When I think about for me, what does it mean for me to be rich towards God? I think Jesus being number one in my life, in my heart, in my mind is being rich towards God. Money doesn't save me. Jesus saves me. Stuff doesn't save me. Jesus saves me. I think following with the things that he's called me to in obedience and faith and submission are being rich towards God. My life is surrendered and I'm following him. That's being rich towards God. I think how I handle being a steward of the things that he's entrusted to me is a part of being rich towards God. I give generously to the church because he's called me to, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. I give through his identified organization where he carries out his name in and through the local church in, out into the world to carry out his work. I do that in obedience and faith, in trusting him. He says, it is better that you have 90% of your funds than 100% of your funds. You can do more and better by trusting me with that difference. And so I do that. He says being rich in good deeds towards others, being generous and ready to share is a part of that. Trusting his provision. He's my provider, not my abilities. Someone else signs my check here, but he is my provider at the end of the day. Being rich towards God. So it starts with getting on this path and being aware and acknowledging these snares. And once you're on this path, now there's a chance for financial freedom in this pursuit of Jesus. It's good stuff. Yeah, thank you, Pat. Um, you know, I love this parable, don't you? Um, you know, and Jesus, you know, starts it by, you know, acknowledging these snares that are out there. And then what we get if we don't get snared, right? Uh, then he finishes this parable with teaching us really what ultimately we need to keep in mind is how to navigate around the snares. The best way to deal with a snare and a trap, guess what? Is to avoid it, right? Is to avoid it. And that's what Jesus comes in and he's going to tell you this is how um, to avoid it. And he's going to give us two main teachings here. Um, the first is don't be anxious about finances. And he says, seek God's kingdom. Those are the two ways that you're going to be able to navigate around uh, uh, finances, the snares of finances. So look at verse 22. Uh, and so as we look at navigating around um, the snares to financial freedom, number one, don't be anxious about finances. Don't be anxious about finances. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And in life, he's talking about the totality of your life. Um, don't be anxious about it, about your finances, how you're going to do, you know, care for yourself and these things. 
uh, verse 23, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So the first thing is, what is financial anxiety? You know, what's he talking about here? The actual Greek word definition is restlessness, a lack of peace. Uh, and there's another meaning that comes with it. So it's not just worry. A lot of your translations say, do not worry. And we quote that often. And it's fine, but it does not speak to the magnitude of what Jesus is speaking and teaching on. So another definition is uh, something that draws us in a different direction. See, Jesus' context here isn't about simple worry, you know. Jesus is talking about a deep anxiety that affects your life. And life throughout this parable um, could be translated your soul. So it's a very deep, deep conversation that he is having with us. And it's interesting. Why is he having it? Because he needs to then and he needs to right now. Uh, I just you know, was looking ever at different uh, readings like, how much is financial anxiety impacting us? And the number bounced between 75 and 85. So I took about the middle. Most of them said 77% of Americans, you and I, uh, are anxious about finances. And that was a year ago. I cannot imagine what it is been the last few months. You know, might I say 90? I don't know. It's high. Uh, and why does Jesus mention it? He mentions it multiple times in Scripture. Uh, because there's a danger. When we are financially anxious, when we worry about finances, there's a danger. And a couple of things I want to point out is, first of all, when we are anxious, by the very definition of the word, uh, it creates stress, and not a typical stress, an unrelenting stress. It is a constant stress. You know, I mentioned last week that my journey has been one from poverty uh, into middle class. Um, and so I understand most of my life what it means to be worried about money. And I can tell you this right now. Uh, it is 24-7. It doesn't go away. All day long, every decision, every time the kid, your children come and ask something, all of a sudden you think, man... Um, on the car, oh, the tires are getting a little thin. Everything, just this financial anxiety just wells up in you. A medical condition comes up. And the first thing you think of, not how am I going to get better, how am I going to afford this? And so it's an incredible stressor. And Jesus wants us to be financially free, to not live under that. Because stress and Financial stress is one of the main stresses there, is an underlying killer. Uh, stress is linked to the top six causes of death in the U.S. Um, so this isn't any small topic. You know, it's why Jesus brings it up so much, because it's a stress that's consuming. Uh, we begin to hyper-process when we are, have financial anxiety. And then what happens is we get fixated on it. And then it begins to drag us away. Take us in a different direction. Which leads to the other danger. It creates bad decision making. Proverbs 28, 20 says this. But a person who wants quick riches 
will get into trouble. Some translation says that they will find themselves in poverty. I mean, it falls apart um, because we begin to make bad decisions trying to fix it on our own. You know, we carry too big of a workload, right? We're going to fix it with more money. And we begin to violate the Sabbath principles we're called to do, to spiritually care for ourselves and our family. We just get another job. We work more hours. We go do something we hate just to pay the bills. And it destroys us. We make a huge mistake, and we think it's a money issue when it's always a heart issue. That's why Jesus talks about it. As Pat mentioned, we carry too much debt. We try to fix it um, by buying on time. We'll pay for it later. We forfeit our future for today. <laughs> and you already said it, Proverbs 22.7 says, when we do that, we become a slave to it. Mm-hmm. It becomes our God. Mm-hmm. And one thing's really important, you heard in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 that Pat read, um, we begin to compromise ourselves spiritually and morally, right? We start making those little choices just to get through it. We cheat just a little bit. You know, our integrity goes mm, just a little off. And what it says in 1 Timothy 6, that it's progressive. You know, it starts with this allure of money, leads into this temptation to fix it. And then it says it comes into a senselessness, then destruction. And then ultimately it drags you away from your faith. I mean, it is a tool in the enemy's hands against the believer. That's why it's such a big deal. Inch by inch, drives you away from God. So what are the things that we have to understand? What is the root of financial anxiety? Uh, you know, there's many things, but I want to give you a couple to consider. First of all is fear. Is fear. Is fear that I will not be sustained. He will not take care of me. He won't meet my needs. In Luke 12 here that we're looking at, verse 24 and 27, Jesus gives an example. Let me give you an example of where my mind is and what I can do for you. Gives an example of the ravens and the lilies. He says, you know, think of the ravens. They are fed. They have no storage place, no refrigerators, no garages, right? None of that stuff. Um, they don't go to, well, they go to Costco. They just mess our cars up in the parking lot. But um, they don't have any economy thing they do. They rely on the creator, and they are fed. I love you more than them, he says. The lilies, uh, he talks about they grow and their beauty, the splendor of the lily. And he says, I do that. I love them. I care for them. Not just kind of care for them. Look at what I painted, what I, the picture I have of these beautiful lilies. I love you more than that. I love you more than that. See, fear financially, and this is hard, so hold on but it exposes a weakness in our faith. It exposes a weakness in our faith. We do not trust him to take care of us. I've got to do this, God. I've got to do this. We don't trust him to grow us in growing our faith in those times that may be challenging. It's a faith issue. Fear is a faith issue. It's the opposite of financial freedom. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He's got us. The second point of the root of this financial anxiety is greed. It's greed. 
Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth uh, with his income. Man, you said it so well. More, more, more. Right? Um, it's never enough. I got a story I can't tell you a time, but I'll just say it real briefly. Okay? I know somebody who won the state lottery. And everything they say about money, everything God teaches about it is true. The destruction of fixing life with money, lots of money, is a lie. It'll never fix it. It's always a hard issue. Maybe next service, come back, I'll have time and I'll tell you the story. <laughs> um, but greed, it's a pursuit of more. It's this false sense of worth. Whoever loves pleasure will be, be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Proverbs 21, 17. Your appetite will never be satisfied. Pat said it's a form of idolatry, right? Becomes your God. The pursuit of security, right? We think, boy, if we just had more money, we would be okay. But I can tell you what, it'll vanish in a moment. And it can vanish in a moment. That's why our country and our world is so scared right now. So let me ask you, in this um, shaken time financially, are you secure in Jesus? secure. I mean, really, it's a question we have to ask ourselves right now. And I tell you right now, uh, every church I talk to and this church, the evidence is no, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to pull back our giving. We're going to, no, we're going to, we're scared. That is not faith. That is not one that could stand the test that is promised to come, whether this is it or whatever, but it's going to come. And where will the church be? Where will your faith be? It's huge issues. Our security will never come from money. And that's why financial anxiety actually destroys life. 1 Timothy 6, uh, 19, as Pat read it, um, it, it starts talking about, and it, it equates what God gives us as life that is truly life. Mm -hmm. It's real life. It's true life, right? Um, John 10, 10, it says that it's the abundant life, the full life that he has. Um, and see, we believe the lies that life is found in the dollar. You know, and I, and you can join me, have to confess before the Lord. I'm as guilty as anyone in here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in my 50s Amen. now. So retirement and these things are there, right? Um, you know, you don't know about this. It's an old guy thing, <laughs> right? Um, but you understand, you get nervous. My earning potential is going to go away. You know, my health is going to fail. Do I have enough worry, 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 anxiety, anxiety? And the tendency is to do this, right? Versus do this. And God, I truly trust you. So financial anxiety is a snare that captures us and keeps us from financial freedom. And quickly, the last point, because seek God's kingdom. Listen to these verses, verses 30 and 31. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Check this out. For all nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these, thing, these things will be added unto you. So he just jumps in here. He says, you know what? The first thing you have to understand in seeking his kingdom, you have to be able to differentiate between needs and wants. Financially, it's the very first thing. He promises in Philippians 4.19 to meet all your needs. He will meet all your needs. 
And what happens is when we understand what our needs are and get it, then we can receive it. We can expect it. Versus waiting on something he never promised us to meet our wants. And let's be honest, most of our prayers are out in the category of what we want. That which is outside of our needs. You know, now he loves us. He's a good father. So never apologize for his blessings. And, you know, Pat showed that chart. If, and I know all of you are in the 1%, right? <laughs> um, receive it. It's wonderful. He, you know, entrust that with you. Go with it. Um, it's okay. Um, find joy in it. But that is not what God's promise is. It's to meet your needs. Our freedom is when we can say, I've got what I need, I'm okay. If he takes that car away, that house away, that motorcycle away, that boat away, bump, 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 right? Um, I'm okay. Just stuff. It's going to burn up anyway. And being a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals. You know how many coffins we stuffed with things? Very little. Maybe a necklace or two or a stuffed animal. But your car didn't go in there. Your boat didn't go in there. A bunch of people in the very back row were hoping that you willed it to them. That's all that happens to it. Right? So, we need to seek his kingdom and seek his provisions and ultimately seek his ways. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week, of seeking his ways financially. And I want to invite you, call you uh, to trust him. Be an example to the rest of the world that we are financially free. The world can go all over where it goes, but we are good in Jesus. In fact, we're not only just good in Jesus, but we're going to be a place, a church, that is going to do the opposite. Everybody's going to pull back. We're going to step in, and we're going to bring the love of Jesus to the entire world, right? Because his children, this church called North Shore, uh, we're going to come together, uh, and we are going to do exactly what he has us to do. I'm going to talk a lot about it next week, and that is we're going to be focused on his way, which starts with God, giving, savings, and enjoying. It's a beautiful gift. Uh, It leads to your freedom, my freedom, our freedom to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to this world. The only hope for all of humanity is Jesus Christ, uh, and he's called you, Christian, me, uh, to rally together and be a lighthouse for him, right? That's what we're talking about. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. And uh, we're going to sing a song. And that song is uh, Build My Life. Many of you are going to know it. um, But it's just this idea is what do we do? Um, You start piece by piece, brick by brick, building your life, trusting Jesus. Uh, Doing things God's way, not the world's way. And you're going to build a house that's going to stand. It's going to be built on the rock. And when uncertain times come, uh, people are going to look and say, how would you do it? Because it's Jesus Christ. And it always, always starts in our heart. You know, Pat, I'm just kind of curious. What are your thoughts about some next steps? Well, as I've been thinking about this message, it was yesterday that it really struck me. And that's, that's for a preacher. That's when a message is good when it cuts you first. And so it was cutting me yesterday and I was thinking about contentment. And often, uh, money's on my mind a lot. And often I'm, I think, man, if I just had, you know, oh, th- this is where we are, but if I just had, 
you know, it's that discontentment. And, and that's, that's, that's not what God wants. That's not what God's calling me to. And there's a, a lack of financial freedom in my own life. And so, and he's calling me and inviting me and to follow him into greater freedom. And hear it loud and clear. When we say financial freedom, we're not saying financially wealthy, right? That is, that is not the health, wealth, uh, um, gospel, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being rich towards God, him and his ways, right? And so for me, my own pursuit of him, he's calling me deeper. Get your eyes off the stuff. Thank me for what I've given you. Appreciate what you have in front of you. Give praise and glory to God for what he has done, what he has done, what he is doing. Get your eyes off of if you only, if you just, like, all right, all right, Lord. So some repentance in me. So I, I invite you into <laughs> repentance with me. You know, that change of mind is a simple change of mind. That's not it. That's the, that's the world's ways, and there's bondage in that. That's not freedom. But there's freedom in Jesus. I'm going to follow you in that. So yeah. I extend that invitation to you. That's good. Will you stand with us? And, and let's walk into that freedom together, right? And, um, you know, thank you for that, Pat. And uh, if we're telling the truth, it's such an allure. All of us have been there, right? So there, I don't believe there's a person standing in front of me that hasn't felt it. And so... We love each other. We're going to step in and trust all that God does. So uh, we're going to sing, and I just want to uh, pray for you right now before we just talk about building a life. Father God, do a good work in each person's life here. Draw their hearts to you in everything that comes under that, which is everything about this life. And the next, God, we want to be free. I pray for freedom for each person. And allow us, allow us to to be like no one else, us followers of Jesus, so that the world will know you. It's the only hope. And our world desperately needs the hope of Jesus today. And you called us to radiate that. And we accept that now. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.